I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Man, another crazy week. Par for the course for this NFL season. Week 11 is wrapped up, and we're going to dive right in. The key piece from this weekend, injuries. I feel like every team had them. Some of them had a few, and there were some significant ones across the league. We had a huge Thursday night, two injuries. We had Joe Burrow, Mark Andrews. Obviously, we already talked about those. Then leading in through Sunday, Aaron Jones from the Packers, Cooper Cup from the Rams, Geno Smith, and Kenneth Walker from the Seahawks. Kenneth Walker's seemed pretty significant. We'll find out more, but he was not able to return. And then Acham with the Dolphins, knee injury again. Maybe the same knee. We'll have to check out. We'll find out more today. But some really key pieces around the league that, man, these offenses are going to have to overcome. You know, it does bring up a point, man. It's getting late in the year. November, bodies are wearing down. There's been a lot of load on these people. Some of these guys came into the season not super healthy. Aaron Jones, Cooper Cup. They're having, you know, other injuries that are popping up now. And it's just a long NFL season. And the bodies really do go through it. But that's part of the game. Next man up. You saw the Packers. They had A.J. Dillon, shout out, had to step up, make some plays. Did another running back come in, make some plays. But they leaned into other guys in that system. Jaden Reed, huge game for the Packers. Kind of like a coming out party. He's been creeping up, but this was his game for sure. You have other guys that are coming back from injury. Jalen Ramsey, shout out to you. The Dolphins' defense looked really, really good on Sunday, and they were, in my opinion, the reason why they won the game. Jalen Ramsey had a game-sealing interception at the very end, and the Dolphins' offense had some big plays, but they weren't like the normal Dolphins that we're used to seeing, and that Raiders' defense is really good, so we kind of expected that. I would say it's pretty exciting, though, for the Dolphins. If you have a team like you do, an offense that can pop off every week, to have a defense now that you can start to see coming together just in time for the playoffs Pretty exciting, especially with the state of the AFC East, what it's looking like. The Jets, miserable right now. The Bills looked okay. They had a decent offensive game, but the Jets were just so bad, it's hard to even judge the Bills on it. But I think the Dolphins are the top dogs, and I think if the Dolphins played the Bills right now in that division, Dolphins would beat them pretty handedly, in my opinion, especially with how that defense is playing. We got C.J. Stroud, another huge game. Had some interceptions that were uncharacteristic, some tips. He had, I think, one overthrow, but MVP conversation. He's legitimately playing some of the best ball in the NFL. Right now, C.J. Stroud has 2,962 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 99.3 rating. He's playing lights out, and even after, like, a, quote, not great week last week, he had three picks. They weren't all on him. He made some huge plays in that game that not many guys in the league could make, and it takes diving into the film to see how did that stat line really play out to know that He was the reason they won that game again. And Arizona was feisty. They were fighting back, but not enough for CJ Stroud. And then we also got to talk about Tank Dell, man. Tank Dell, rookie receiver, just going off. Tank Dell is wide receiver one. Alert, alert in most leagues now. And look at this performance. Eight receptions on 10 targets, 149 yards and a touchdown. And the way that he's scoring... I mean, he's getting open late. It's scramble drill. It's acrobatic catches. It's everything. And right now, Tank Dell has been an absolute sleeper find for most guys, and he's being elevated by C.J. Stroud. Those two guys are going to be an absolute unit for a really long time. And now we got to talk about my guy, Calvin Ridley, comeback season. Who's been in my lineup every single week? Me. 
Has it cost me some games? Hell yeah, it has. But Calvin Ridley's back. They took the advice. They saw the YouTube short. They did. They were like, look, they're going to have to use him. It's going to be a bounce back game. Calvin Ridley this year, when he's had a really bad game, he normally comes back with a pretty decent game to a really good game. And this was no different. The AFC South is kind of heating up, which is just insane to say because that's been one of the worst divisions in football for a really long time. But it's really fun to watch right now. They got some young stars. And look at Calvin Ridley's stat line this game. He had one carry for 18 yards, getting involved in the run game, seven receptions on nine targets, 103 yards, and two tuggies. Two touchdowns, 27.6 fantasy points in most leagues. That was awesome. My fantasy team needed it really bad, and I know a lot of you do too. And shout out to all the people that traded for him and bought him low because you believed in him. You were willing to take that risk when he was down and out, and now he's back, and he's going to be the reason why some teams win their league. So congrats to you. We got another thing, dude. Tommy lives with his mom, DeVito. Is he better than Danny Dimes? I'm just going to look at the stats, dude. I'm a, I'm a stats guy. I'm a trends guy, and I'm just going to have to say it. I was so out on the Giants. I had them to be the worst team last week to get absolutely bludgeoned by the Commanders. And Riverboat Ron, he proved me wrong, dang it, just like he always does to most of us. Let's go back to that stat line. Tommy DeVito, 18 of 26, 246 yards passing, three touchdowns, and a carry for seven yards. And you want to know what that did? That helped my Saquon Barkley RB1 in my other league that I also have Calvin Ridley, that these two guys have been screwing me all year long. But Saquon Barkley getting involved in the passing game, he had two receiving touchdowns on 57 yards and also had 14 carries on 83 yards. Being able to run the offense through their running back the way that they did for a young quarterback like Tommy DeVito is everything for their success. And you have to flip the script to the other side. Sam Howell. What have we been saying about Sam Howell? He has such elite arm talent and he's crafty and he's creative, but he throws too many damn interceptions. And every single time I start moving him up on my QB rankings, he slides right back down with a three interception performance. And a lot of them are just really bad picks. Like, I don't know. I don't know why he throws some of the balls he does, honestly. Some of his best throws come from risky plays. And like, that's great. Looks good. But more often than not in the NFL, they're going to be intercepted. And this game, he was 31 of 45. Fine. 255 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. He also had a rushing touchdown that he got absolutely blasted on. And after that, he didn't look too hot. But he's got to do a better job of controlling the ball, taking care of it, and he's just not doing it. And that's why the commanders are four and seven. And that's why Riverboat Ron is probably on the first boat out of town. Packers faithful, let's talk about Jordan Love and this Packers win that they just were able to sneak on by. But Jay Love, 27 of 40, 322 yards passing, two touchdowns, and he was balling in a huge, huge fourth quarter. Some help from penalties. The Chargers, they have their own problems, but Jordan Love played a really good game, and so did Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks. It was really what we needed to see from the other guys on the team that weren't Romeo Dobbs, or not Aaron Jones because he was out, and Christian Watson, who I don't really know. I don't know what to say about Christian Watson. I don't really... The jury's not quite out yet, but I will say that there's some skepticism. I'll leave it at that. But you have guys like Jaden Reed, who's balling. Every time he touches the ball, home run play potential. And Romeo Dobbs will just go head top on anybody, take it off the top. That touchdown that he had at the end of the game, such good late hands and rip. It was textbook. And Dobbs has been doing that since he was a rookie in training camp. It, he's come a long way. 
but he's also just getting that much better. And I would like to see his targets go up. But all in all, a really good performance by the Packers offense, finding a way to put up 23 against the Chargers. I like it. I know the Chargers pass defense is what it is, but the Packers needed this game. And more so than anything, you know who really needs some help? Justin Herbert. Watching that game and seeing his stat line are like two completely different realities. And it's unfortunate. I'm happy that the Chargers lost. I root for Green Bay. But Herbert went 21 of 36, 260 yards passing, two touchdowns, and had 73 rushing yards. He had easily two drop touchdown passes, had three or four huge drops. Austin Eckler fumbled at like the three-yard line, gave away another touchdown potential. This game from Justin Herbert could have been a 400-yard, four-passing touchdown game with 70-something yards of rushing. But instead, the Chargers do what they do best under Staley. They lose. They lose in a way that they shouldn't have. They were the better team. They had turnovers. They had drops in the end zone. And even at the very end, Justin Herbert had Johnson running up the sideline, perfect over-the-shoulder, blown coverage by the Packers and he drops it. It would have been like a 70-yard touchdown pass, and then the Packers would have been feeling a lot differently this morning. Joe Barry would have been feeling a lot differently this morning, but the Packers got away with it, and sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and I would say the Packers yesterday were a mix of those two things. So, shout out to the Packers, played clean enough ball, took care of the football, didn't turn it over. That's really the theme in the league right now. If you look at the Broncos and the Vikings game, which team turned the ball over? The Vikings, which team lost? The Vikings, even though they played a better game. It's just sometimes you can get away with not being a great football team if you just simply do not turn over the ball and play the field position game. You know, we got we to gotta call out something else. What's up with these coaches and their post-game pressers just getting sassy with the media? If It's their job. It's the media's job to ask questions. And if you're losing games, sometimes it's a little more uncomfortable to answer the questions that you're being asked Staley is saying that, so nobody has to ask anymore. I'm going to be calling the defense from here on out. Well, good. I hope so, because you should have made that decision last year, but you didn't. And now there are no other fingers to point if it doesn't get turned around. Staley, it's on you, and that seat is getting super hot. I'll be staying tuned to watch how it all plays out, because typically when coaches start to lose their cool in press conferences, it's not long after that they're out of there. So we'll see. Oh, man. NFC North. It's just weird this year, like we talked about. But the Lions, maybe even weirder. They won an absolute thriller, a hell of a comeback. Jared Goff, in the last four to six minutes of the game, electric. A guy that was making plays off balance, hitting guys. He was looking like not statue Jared Goff. But everything else before that, man, three interceptions. I've never seen a quarterback throw three interceptions in a game where he hit someone dead in their numbers, straight in the chest, like... He was trying to make window throws where there were no windows. It was walls. But he was hitting the guys. Accuracy was on point for the defenders. But Jared Goff almost sold. He cannot do that again if the Lions want to go where they think they can go. Where I personally, I think they can do it. They have probably the best one-two punch of running backs in the NFL with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. It's fun to watch. And both of those guys have their different play designs. What those two guys do for that offense, it allows Ben Johnson to stretch the field horizontally and attack vertically at the same exact time within one drive. The fact that Ben Johnson can have David Montgomery, who can get the dives, the counters, the in-between the tackle plays, and is a really good receiving back on checkdowns, 
then have Jameer Gibbs who can stretch the sideline, free release, run option routes, and everything in between. I don't know if there's a coordinator in the NFL besides Shanahan that can call the wide range of plays that Ben Johnson can. It's pretty fun to watch, especially as like a football junkie. Man, this week has just been, I think you're really like, we thought we knew teams, but now we're really, really starting to know teams. And one thing I do know is the Steelers are bad. And I've been saying it from the first week. The Steelers are six and four, but I would want to play them if I was any team in the league because there's nothing that they do that scares you. The only guy on that team that really scares you right now is Jalen Warren. And in my opinion, he needs to be RB1 and he needs to get the bulk share of the touches. Jalen Warren had nine carries for 129 yards and a touchdown and three for three receiving for 16 yards. And Najee Harris, I hate to say it because I have him in my starting lineup because I'm decimated at running back. 12 carries, 35 yards. Like the two guys when they're on the field look entirely different. And one elevates the offense and one just keeps them right where they are, which is miserable. And Jalen Warren needs to be RB1 for that team because Kenny Pickett needs all the help he can get. I don't know if I've seen a quarterback look as bad as Kenny Pickett did throwing yesterday. Maybe since like the Sean Watson a couple months ago. There were so many just missed throws, errant throws, completely not on the same page as receivers. And the ball just doesn't look good coming out of his hands. And right now, if I was the Steelers, I'm six and four. I would be making a change because it's obvious what Kenny Pickett brings to the table. And it's not enough for you to win games, especially in close divisional games. Like they've won so many games that in my opinion, they should not have because of how he's played. Let alone if you get somebody else that can just throw accurately consistently, they'd be better off. You've had Mason Rudolph sitting on the bench for five years collecting checks. Maybe give him a spin. I don't know. Maybe Trubisky, somebody, but none of those options sound amazing. But I'll tell you right now what Kenny Pickett's doing and putting on the field is a liability for the Steelers offense. Not even going to get into the play calling because that's a whole different can of worms, but that combination is just abysmal right now. We've talked about bad quarterback play. Now let's go to absolute perfect quarterback play. And I'm talking Brock Purdy has not been done for the 49ers. Perfect game since Joe Montana, Steve Young. He is playing lights out once again. And he is making plays that are outside of the frame of what Shanahan has drawn up. And it's beautiful to see. He's got guys in his face. He's getting hit. He's scrambling. He's doing the things that he has to do. He's playing really clean football and then converting to backyard football when he needs to. And it looks so good right now. When you go 21 of 25 for 333 and three touchdowns, that's like playing a game of Madden, man. And it's not like Tampa Bay's defense is that bad. I know they gave up a lot of points to CJ Stroud a few weeks ago, but the plays that Purdy's making are really, really good plays. It's not like he's just throwing just in rhythm on time every single play. He's layering it. He's scrambling. Like, man, it's really fun to watch. And I hope, I really hope for the 49ers' sake, they can stay healthy all the way through to the end because I would love to see them in the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy playing against the Eagles, rematch round two, and to see what's what. Because I want to see both teams at their best. Offensive mastermind, Kyle Shanahan, against that scrappy Philly defense, that Philly offense that's got some stud players, Jalen Hurts against a good defense. Like, I think the NFL needs that rematch because we got hosed last year. Bring it back. They're rolling. Christian McCaffrey back on the board with another touchdown. Of course, of course, one week after I put him into my entries, but it is what it is. 
Also, little shout out here, Brandon Ayuk. True wide receiver one type performance. And I think if he got more receptions, dude, if he played in a different system, getting the receptions that some of these other guys get, he would be even crazier because he's so good. Five for six, 156 yards and a touchdown. He's big, strong, physical, can catch in traffic, can separate. He's got it all. And the 49ers roster right now might be the best in the league. You know what it was just also brought to my attention? Out of Brock Purdy's 21 completions, he only threw to four different players on those completions. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. Those four studs plus Brock Purdy went absolutely crazy. And it's, it's honestly, has there ever been a game where only four guys have caught the ball? We're going to have to fact check that and check it out on Twitter later, but that's pretty impressive, man. Love to see it. 49ers are rolling. You know, we talked about bad QB play, then perfect QB play, and now we have to go to really, really bad quarterback play. Is this the last that we've seen of Zach Wilson? It would be insanity at this point to do the same thing over and over and over and over again and expect different results. And at this point, I'm just like, just let Tim Boyle go out there and sling it for a while. Let him get his, you know, eight targets to Garrett Wilson, get Brees Hall involved in the passing game. At this point, man, like Zach Wilson has shown us time and time again that he cannot be a consistent passer. Most of his bad plays are like he takes his three-step drop and he's just throwing it blindly. He's not even reacting. He's like, oh, pre-snap, three-step drop and a hitch. It should be there. We'll see what happens. He lets go of the ball and it's picked. And it's like he has no ability to like pull the ball back in. I think the gist of it is, is that Zach Wilson is not the answer. And... I don't really think they have an answer besides Aaron Rodgers on the roster, but it can't look much worse than it does. And I think that until you change that key piece and to know what else can produce, aka Tim Boyle, give him a full game, give him a game plan that caters to him. He should be able to win you games if he does not turn the ball over and just gets completions that like he should get. Don't miss the easy throws. Just stay in rhythm of the offense. Feed Brees Hall. Feed Garrett Wilson. People win that way. And I think the Jets are going to need that moving forward to get to a place in December where, hey, is Aaron healthy? Does he come back? Is there a reason for him to come back to make the playoffs? Yes. That's where they need to get with Tim Boyle, manage the rest of the season up until that point. We'll see what happens. So we talked about Zach Wilson being cooked. We need to talk about Russell Wilson cooking. Chef Russ, man, I'm not going to try to be a hater here. I, I will say that I know the media narrative is that Russell Wilson had another great performance, did everything he needed to win, and I will say, yes, he had a really good game, a clean game. He had a really clean game. He threw for like 90 yards on checkdowns to running backs because the Minnesota's, their defensive scheme was so bad that game. They were running sim pressures with nobody matching the running back, which like getting hit once or twice on that is one thing, but... I mean, to have like 13 or 14 completion of running backs in a game that goes for 90, that's just bizarre. And Russell Wilson should be thanking them for that game plan that they put up against them because it played right into what they needed to do to win that game at the end. And then when Russell Wilson finally needed to make a real play, he did. He threw a great ball to Cortland Sutton, went up top, top shelf, iced the game. And I think what that showed you is that Russell Wilson does have it in him to make the plays when they're needed but he is going to be super conservative all the way through, and he has the patience to go win that game in the last minute, where a lot of young guys don't. Like A lot of young quarterbacks, they are going to try to get those plays early and throughout the game. 
But Russ said, look, man, I'm not going to cook until the fourth quarter, two minutes when I need to cook. Besides that, I'm going to let my guys do their thing, keep us in this game. Broncos defense played pretty well. Like they, they did what they needed to do. They created turnovers. And the Broncos, again, dude, on a weird three-game win streak, I believe, maybe even more than that. I think we're at five now. But a really impressive last three games against the Vikings who have been hot. They had the Chiefs two weeks ago, and last week they had the Bills. Sean Payton's turning it around. I think he's put his ego aside for the most part. And that game honestly could have been over sooner if Jerry Judy had caught the ball in the end zone that he dropped. But I, like, I don't love picking the Broncos to win games because they're not sexy. Like, They don't do anything that's like, wow, that's a really good team. But they're finding ways to win games. And I guess that's the mark of a good team. So Broncos, country, let's ride, I think. And I know that by the time this episode is live, the Monday night game will have already been over, but I'm going to give you my really quick prediction. I think that the Eagles are going to win. I know that they're underdogs. I know the Chiefs have won a bunch of games. I know they're in Arrowhead, but I think the Eagles are the better team. And I think this is the final straw for Jason Kelsey to finally get one over his brother. Eagles get a big road win. This is one of those wins that the Eagles, I think, need to show everyone that we're top dogs. They've been kind of like, ah, oh, who have they played? They've been better than most teams, but like they played Dallas at home like that wasn't really anything i think this is a game that the eagles need to win to be in consideration to be the number one team in the league right now and i think they they should win this i think they're better than the chiefs so now that we've recapped sunday monday future me hopefully i was right got to get to the last segment of the waiver wire pickups for this week fantasy football is heating up playoff pushes here most of the trade deadlines have now passed so you're stuck with who you're stuck with and you're going to need to be looking to the waivers to pick up those key pieces that will propel you forward. And I got a few nuggets for you that I think are really going to help. And they've helped me. Some of these guys actually have been on my team multiple times this year that I've dropped. And now it's like, you got to stack up because there's no trading your way out of this. The first thing that I would do if I was you is I would ditch Gabe Davis as quick as you can and pick up Shakir instead. Shakir has got to be the play over Gabe Davis. And the explosiveness, the targets, big playability. Right now, Gabe Davis is just honestly a liability for that offense. He's had a lot of drops, some interceptions off his hands that should have been catches, and new offensive coordinator. Josh Allen's happy because they're playing well. I think that Shakir's the play over Davis, and I don't even know if Davis is worth any lineup right now. I, I wouldn't put him in any lineup. In There's no reason to play him. Like You should not have that much of a decimated team to where Gabe Davis is in your lineup. Not to mention, last week he had zero targets. What does that say? Moving on. Now, for some of you two-quarterback leagues where like the whole league is decimated and you're just scrapping and clawing to try to get someone that's serviceable, Jake Browning is a guy that you should be looking to pick up. And in one of my leagues that's super deep, I actually try to pick up every single backup quarterback possible just to gatekeep away from the other teams because there are teams right now that don't even have a quarterback rosterable because... There's that many pieces missing in the NFL this year. So yes, Jake Browning, I'd like to see him have a better game this week. I think that he will after a week of prep. Hopefully Jamar Chase gets more involved and they take a load off of him, but they're going to need it. Not to mention, they got a huge divisional game against a struggling Steelers team. Again, the Bengals have the better team. They do. It's just, are they going to be able to make enough plays? And are they going to be able to get after Kenny Pickett? I'd assume so, but... You never know with the AFC North. Another waiver wire guy that if you did not listen to me last week, Rondale Moore, he's probably going to be gone. You might have to spend some of your free agent budget on him, but 
Rondell Moore is a guy that Kyler Murray likes and trusts, and he had a huge game this last week. He had a huge, huge catch for a touchdown in their opening quarter. Unfortunately, though, he only had one reception. One reception for 48 yards and a touchdown. He had two carries for six yards, but I'd expect his target share to go up, especially after this week. Greg Dorch got a lot of the burn in the slot. He went six for eight for 76 yards. Also a candidate for being picked up, but I don't see a world where Rondell Moore does not get at least three to four targets and one explosive play a game. And if you're super decimated and you're looking for a sneaky hold as you get to playoffs, maybe injuries pop up, maybe some other teams start resting players at the end of the year, this is a guy that's definitely worth stashing on your roster. That leads us to the other point. If you listened last week as well, you know that Kyler Murray likes throwing to his tight ends. Trey McBride, seven targets this week, five receptions, 43 yards, nine fantasy points. Like that's about what you can ask for when you're getting a guy off of waivers. And just know Kyler Murray, he threw five, seven, eight balls to tight ends this past week. He's going to throw to his tight ends and Trey McBride is number one. So let's do the math. Probably can guarantee at least seven fantasy points every week from Trey McBride moving forward. As long as Kyler Murray keeps giving him the feed that he needs. Another tight end around the league. If you're decimated, Mark Andrews is out likely. I think that likely is a stash. I don't think he's a start necessarily. Might get some red zone burn here and there, but I think that the guy that really benefits the most from Mark Andrews being out is actually Zay Flowers. He had a really good game, and his stat line didn't show it, mainly because he had like a 60-yard touchdown called back, but his targets are increasing. He's making critical plays on critical downs, And even if you look at a guy like Odell Beckham, he's starting to get more playing time too. He's starting to get more targets, everything. The Ravens aren't going to be able to just rely on their tight ends like they have. Mark Andrews has been great. They're going to have to throw to their receivers. And Lamar showed on Thursday night that he was able to do that. So looking ahead, I know Zay Flowers only had three receptions on four targets, 43 yards. He had a carry for seven yards. But he has a 60-yard touchdown plus pulled back from that. It should have been a monster game for him. And unfortunately, that's just how it goes sometimes. But I think you can trust him moving forward, especially in a flex spot. And it got to have it in a league where you might not have that much depth. He should be good to go. And also be on the lookout for Odell Beckham because he was balling on Thursday. This is also the time of the year, guys, that you should not be too proud to drop and replace a defense, drop and replace a kicker. Kickers and defenses are very much week-to-week matchup-based, besides like the few top five-ish in the league. And I got a few nuggets for you that might just give you those few extra points that'll win you your matchup this week and help you in that playoff race that you're probably, hopefully, in. I have two sneaky waiver pickups on defense that you can choose from this week. Actually, we're going to say four. Any of these four defenses on waivers in most leagues that you could go out and get right now should be able to help you if you have a defense that's not facing a favorable matchup in your lineup right now. You have the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Vegas Raiders. In Vegas, Kansas City's defense has been balling. We'll see how it goes, but I don't see Vegas doing a whole lot, especially with how the Chiefs play defense. The other one is you have the Denver Broncos versus Cleveland. Broncos defense has been pretty good. They're getting sacks. They're keeping things in front of them. Not a whole lot of yards being had, but Cleveland's offense with DTR hasn't shown that he can really throw the ball consistently. Cleveland really hasn't thrown the ball consistently all year. I see this being a very slow, painful death of a game on both sides. So enjoy it with a decent defensive matchup. Then one of my all-time favorites, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, mainly because I expect Kenny Pickett to play. We know Matt Canada is going to be calling plays. And the Bengals' defense should eat. That's plain and simple. The other sneaky, sneaky play that I really like 
based on matchup, is the Atlanta Falcons defense versus the Saints offense. I actually think that the Atlanta Falcons defense against the Saints offense could be solid knowing that one, Derek Carr has a right shoulder strain, and two, if he doesn't play, Jameis Winston will play, and Jameis Winston likes to throw interceptions. So I'm going to use this as a hunch. If you really, really are that desperate, you can feel safe-ish putting the Falcons defense out there. I just, something's telling me the Falcons defense is going to do all right this game, so take it for what it's worth. That is about it, man. Another episode, another Tuesday reset. My favorite part about the fantasy week is when the lines reset my roster resets it's a new week new opportunity and another week closer to the playoff push that i'm in on both of my leagues and i hope you guys are too i hope that this recap this analysis the waiver wire advice i hope it all helps get you some more wins and until next time we will see you on thursday with a little thursday action some entries some prediction analysis thank you guys for coming to another episode i appreciate it if you guys want to see the clips recap shorts everything in between you can go to at Pocket Presence on Twitter, on YouTube, and we'll be blowing it up. Until next time.